0: In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the New Orleans Pelicans, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. We're talking New Orleans Pelicans here in today's show. So let's talk about those said Pelicans. They finished this year, pretty disappointing, I think. 11th in the Western Conference, 31 and 41. A little bit below their expected win loss, which was 35 and 37. So it probably should have been a 500 team. 12th in offense, pretty good. 22nd in defense. Now, that's why Stan Van Gundy was hired, is to teach these guys how to play defense. And while um, yeah, 22nd is not last, obviously, they were 19th last year. So they got worse defensively. That is a concern. I was pretty critical of a lot of things Van Gundy did. He slowed their pace down, which is what he always does. It didn't go down as far as I expected, but they were the second fastest team last year down to the ninth fastest this season. But that's undoubtedly a very disappointing year from Stan Van Gundy, winning one more game than the year prior and with a full season of healthy Zion Williamson. Another year of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. It's a pretty disappointing result, I would say. I didn't like the hire of Van Gundy to begin with. Nothing that happened this season would change that for me or change my opinion on that. It was just an overall pretty disappointing year. And yes, the emergence of Point Zion is great. But you know, is that was that a big hidden secret? Put the ball in Zion Williamson's hands? Base the offense around him? Was that that hard to figure out? Maybe it was for some people. I think anyone would have gotten to that stage eventually. Um, And I just, I'm not not sure that, they're not going to fire him, obviously, but I'm just not sure that he is the right coach for this team. I'm not sure that's the case. They have the 10th pick in this draft, which of course can change based on the lottery. They've got a 20% chance of getting up into the top four. Their most likely outcome is 10th. They were in a three-team tie, but at the 8th, 9th, and 10th spot between the Bulls and the Kings, and they ended up with the worst of that that result, coming in at 10th. Um, but most likely, that's where they end up at number 10. they got four second-rounders, two pretty high-value ones, 34 and 38. They also have 43, which is not a bad pick, and number 53 as their last draft pick. But uh, you know that 34, 38, and 10, that's not a bad hand. In fact, over on Tankathon, they have a list of you know, value of, of teams' picks, and they're sixth in terms of overall draft capital. Um, which is you know, when you've only got the 10th pick to jump up to number six overall, is not a bad hand to hold heading into this draft. They just got to obviously hope that that pick 10 jumps even higher and then make you know, those moves around the margins at the 10th pick or if that's where they end up or the 34, 38 to try and get some useful enough rotation players or some prospect type guys. Two Some really big free agency decisions, two big ones, two guards, Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, who came across in the Anthony Davis trade. They're both restricted free agents. I would assume that Hart returns. I am not that confident that Lonzo Ball returns, not because they don't have the ability to retain him, which they obviously do considering he's restricted, but given what the offer may be for Lonzo Ball, Chicago might throw 20 plus million at him in a sign and trade and not paying Lonzo Ball $80 million for four years plus getting an asset back might be a smarter move, especially when you do have Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis Jr. both there who can step up into larger roles. I am not convinced that Lonzo returns. I think they'd like to bring Josh Hart back if they could get him at $15 million a year or under. But I feel pretty confident that both of these guys will not be back. We'll, let's rephrase that to get it, that it clear. I don't think that the two of them will be back together. I think you'll get one of them, maybe. You might get zero of them. But I don't think both of these guys return for next season. Jim Johnson is an unrestricted free agent, as is Billy Hernan Gomez. Johnson played a role down the stretch there with Zion out, and then Ingram missed some time. So he played a decent role, while Hernan Gomez, with Adams out as well, stepped in. But he was a guy that was out of the rotation at times, um, and could be a solid enough third-string center. But they would hope hope that he is just that third-string, and that's it, behind Adams and Hayes or... Behind Hayes and Adams, depending on which order you want to put them in. And then Hernan Gomez is a break glass in case of emergency type of player. Let's talk about the Michelob Ultra player of the week. The Pelicans haven't played this week, but let's let's give them a player of the week here for Mikelob Ultra. And the player who I think on this team that obviously brings the most joy to their team and almost one of the most joyful players in the league is Zion Williamson. Who doesn't love Zion getting in there? And just dominating. He has been an absolute revelation this season. And I can't wait to see where he goes and the amount of joy and uh, happiness that he does bring to fans of the Pelicans and everybody in the New Orleans community. Because what he was able to do, staying healthy. We were worried about him last season. Can he can he be as good as the hype? Can he stay healthy? Well, the answer to that question is yes, on both counts. So that was great. Big Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And Zion, he's definitely worth it because we absolutely enjoy watching him play. Two point six grams of carbs for Michelob Ultra, ninety-five calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game; it is the whole game. Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is Zion Williamson. Um, guys, let's let's now talk individual players. That's that's a pretty good spot for us to be. Let's move on to talk about the best-rated category league player on an overall basis. Is Brandon Ingram. Now, of course, if we're in a situation where we are um, punting free throws, Zion's name goes a lot higher than this, but in a a situation where we're at, the 40th best player was Brandon Ingram. He played 61 games, 34 minutes. He was 36th in points leagues, averaging 38 points per game. He averaged 24 with five rebounds and five assists, 2.3 triples, 0.7 steals and 0.7 blocks, shooting 47 and 88 with 38% from three. Absolutely solid numbers. Usage stayed about the same. In fact, it went up from 27 to 28. I worried about how the coexistence would be between him and Zion. His EPM was basically exactly the same. His true shooting was 59% again. One concern, one thing I worried about for him this season, would the increase in three-point volume and free throw percentage be real? And could it stick? Well, yes, it could. His free throws went from 85 to 88, so it got better again. His three-pointers went from 39 to 38, so about the same, and the volume stayed high. The concern I have here is that his rim attempt volume dropped considerably. He finished better at the rim, 63%, but he just didn't get there as much. And I think that's a factor of playing with Zion, that he had to play more of a mid-range game. Now, his mid-range volume was way up. It was very, very high this season, and he hit them at 46%. So if we want to look at room for maybe regression from Brandon Ingram next season, it's if if he's going to persist or subsist on a huge diet of mid-rangers, and if he can't hit them at 46%, by far a career high, then his overall true shooting will suffer. So that is a level there to be concerned. He's still on block rate, still yeah, pretty poor. He's still rate, in particular was bad this year. His assist rate did improve while his turnovers went down, which again is impressive given that the ball was being shared between him and Zion and Alonzo Ball. So to get his assists up to five per game is super impressive too. In, he did, his overall rank did drop. He was 28th last season in fantasy. So there was a little bit of a drop off there, mainly mainly because his steals fell down and his rebounds fell down. And the, the steals is nothing really to get behind that. I think he can get back to one steal a game. But um, the rebounding is Zion-related. The interesting thing, though, here is the steals, he'd never been a high steals guy. Last year was a high watermark, one steal per game. He went down to 0.7 this year. And that's, that's maybe that difference between 40th or 28th ranked player where he was in the past. He was second on this team in Raptor. Defensively, he was a pretty large negative, though. And uh, LeBron was third on the team with, again, a decent enough uh, negative in uh, defensive LeBron. But overall, his numbers were pretty good. He was pretty rock solid for most of the season. But there is that level of marginal concern that if he's relying so much on the mids and he doesn't hit him at 46 and it goes to 43-44, then we do lose a little bit of value there for Brandon Ingram. Let's talk Zion. He played 61 games. He had that thumb issue at the end of the year. 33 minutes a night. He averaged 43 fantasy points. That was 20th per game. He was 46th in Category Leagues. His ADP was twenty-six. So you look at that and go, oh, that's a waste if you picked him at 26. But in a punt free throw scenario, he was 18th. Where does he go next year? It is almost definitely uh, a second round pick. And if you're punting free throws, top 20 is fine. He's always 18th. There's there's no problem with that. Um, we're taking him in that area. Which, you know, considering where he was the year before, is pretty uh, is pretty wild. I would say to have him, you know, become that player despite an absolutely like horrendous free throw percentage. Let's talk about what Zion's numbers were: twenty-seven, seven, and four with a steal, point six blocks, sixty-one from the field, and he shot sixty-nine point eight from the line. But that was on nine attempts, so that is a gigantic negative. He didn't hit threes, so boy, what he did do was just a huge volume from the field. That's by far his best category: sixty-one from the field. He gave you seven boards. He scored twenty-seven points per game which over the last three months was 29 points per game and was able to average over four assists over the second half of the season as well. I thought he was almost, well, not even almost. I think he was almost, I'll say almost again. I think he's unstoppable offensively. Who slows him down? His EPM was plus 4.4. That's 97th percentile. Zion's Raptor was a plus three. His LeBron was a 3.78, a gigantic number. He improved um, defensively. He's just about to turn 21. He's not 21 yet. He's going to be a top 20 pick. And I think it's justified. Can he get into the the higher ranges? Well, what he needs to do, the defensive stats need to come. Remember, in college, his defensive stats were through the roof. 27-7-4, baseline for him. I think we look at 28, 9, or 28, 8, and 5 for next year. But that 0.9 steals, that needs to go to 1.4. 0.6 box goes to 1, and then it's an easy top 10 player. Easy. Um, depending on where you sit at the end of the first round with injury concerns for some guys, Anthony Davis perhaps in that area, his iron could sneak in. I probably wouldn't do it, but he could sneak in. The, the potential's there. The potential is absolutely clear. Um, for Zion to be a stud of a fantasy guy. If the defensive stats come in, it is over. Like He's he's top five, probably. If we get 1.6, 1.5 steals, one block, with 28, 8, and 5.5 and on 60% plus from the field, and he becomes a 77 free throw guy, holy shit. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff could go down. Let's talk Lonzo Ball, who was good. Again, a guy that gets shit on a lot. But for fantasy, he always just tends to play pretty well. He's only 23 still. 55 games, 32 minutes. And that's a low number, 32 minutes, because he did have some weird games early on where he was coming off the bench at one point. Uh, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.5 steals, 0.6 blocks, 41 and 78. I think the time of talking about Lonzo as a horrendous shooter probably needs to end. He's he's not great. 55 true shooting is not fantastic, but 38% on threes. He was 37 last year. They are okay numbers. He shot 78% from the line. Now he never gets there. So there is obviously room for that to fluctuate quite a bit. He doesn't get to the rim much at all, and he's a pretty poor finisher. But as a three point shooter with improvement in free throws, he was he was pretty good. The steals are great, the assists are good, good rebounder, nice scoring, unbelievable three point volume over three threes per game for a bad shooter. I think he was pretty good. His uh, EPM was plus 2.1. That's 89th percentile. 1.8 Raptor, which is second on this team, behind Zion, ahead of Brandon Ingram, who was at 1.3. Second in LeBron at 1.33, behind Zion again, ahead of Brandon Ingram. He was just really good. He goes to the Bulls. He doesn't need usage. Um, the 32 minutes need to turn to 34, which I think is possible on another team. I'd be okay. His ADP was 61. I'd be okay taking him in the top 50. Points take probably not. He was just 66 with 33 fantasy points, but he was he was really good. And I still can see improvement there. The 41 field goals can easily get to 44. And that's not a huge number, but it is a big difference. When that's your worst category and you take it from 41 to 44, it's a big difference. And I think you can get there eventually. Josh the Hitman Hart. Only 47 games for Hitty with that thumb issue at the end of the year. 29 minutes per game. Nine points on unbelievably low usage, 14%. But he had eight boards. That is an insane amount of rebounds for a guard. 1.33s, 2.3 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.3 blocks, 44 and 78. So realistically, all of his value, where he was the 145th ranked player, is on the back of rebounds. He averaged 24.5 fantasy points, 139th. Um, Again, I think he comes back. I think there's a chance that he plays 29 to 30 minutes again. Is he a great fantasy player? I don't think so. Like, the rebounding is really, really good. There's no doubt about that. But can you put everything else together? What else can he bring us? He also, like, true shooting 50%, but that was on the back of 50% mid-range shooting. He barely took any mids, but that's insane. He finished at 61 at the rim, which is all right. 33% from three. Never been a good three-point shooter outside of his rookie year. Subpar uh, free throw guy, but just insane rebound numbers. Not a great creator. Not a good guy in terms of generating defensive stats. In fact, his advanced numbers were pretty low as well. His EPM was specifically a negative um, 1.5, which is below average. His Raptor was okay, 0. 0.8. His LeBron was okay, negative 0. 0.06. But uh, he's one of those guys, again, that gets a little bit overrated, I think, in fantasy. Because we look at those rebounds. like a Josh Hart, what a start. He's going to put up huge numbers. He's, a, he's 26, so he's not far out of his prime. Or he's not far away from his prime. But he does have a few things that do hold him back. Minutes played, and again, I think Alexander Walker, Lewis, Bledsoe could all be getting minutes ahead of him. Fuck, I hope, sorry for the language. I hope Bledsoe's not back on this team. He shitted me so much this year. Um, I'd love to see Hart get that role and, and play. I think he's a solid player next to uh, Ingram and yeah, insert point guard here, whether it is Bledsoe or Alexander Walker. But he does have a pretty significant limit, I believe, on his overall fantasy value. Um, I think this Pelicans team would love to be talking about the playoffs, but they're not. But the NBA playoffs are on at the moment, so the road to the finals. You can check our NBA playoff coverage right across the Locked On Podcast Network, and that coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Um, Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. Do you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? plus the occasional limited time flavor. I love those limited time flavors. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, why don't you go and buy yourself a mixed box? 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor, coconut almond, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate. All the grates are in there and you can go and uh, test out which one you prefer. Most of these flavors have 17 grams of protein. So not only are they really delicious, but they are healthy. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar and just, one, or just four grams of net carbs. So, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs, they're cracking on. We're in full swing over here. So track all that action online at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League, baseball, and all the UFC action. So before the next game tips, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, and when you sign up, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit as well as great sporting news and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams really push towards the finals in their sport. BetOnline, the on, your online sportsbook experts. All right, next player, let's take a look at Steve Adams. I love Steve Adams. One of my favorite players in the NBA. Love him. Unbelievable bloke, huge sense of humor, absolute great guy. Um, Not very good anymore um, at what he needs to do. And for fantasy especially, he's uh, in real trouble. Stephen Adams was drafted at pick 80 this year. That did not turn out particularly well. He played 58 games, 28 minutes a night. Average seven and a half points with nine boards. Those nine boards are solid, but after that, holy shit. Two assists, 0.8, uh, sorry, yeah, two assists, 0.9 steals, 0.7 blocks, 0.7 blocks. 61 from the field and 44 from the line. Now it's not huge volume, but that's still really bad. The 61 from the field is pretty solid, but he just, this is a career worst season since those couple of years in OKC where he didn't play that much. 0.3 EPM. Under 60 true shooting for a big man is is pretty rough. Um, Yeah, obviously, great offensive rebound. If your league counts offensive rebounds, he's pretty solid there. Passing, he's not that particularly good at. He doesn't block shots at a high rate, especially for a center. His Raptor was at 0.7, not a particularly good number. His LeBron was at 0.72. So he had some impact on court. So that's why he was getting minutes. But for fantasy, there's just nothing there. And that's a real worry for where they go with him, what this contract, because they signed him to an extension. Two more years, For $35 million. I wouldn't say that he played up to being a $17 million a year player um, this year. Or maybe you could say his impact stats are that. For fantasy, he's obviously terrible. And they don't pay someone for their fantasy stats. But he's playing like 26 minutes a night. I'm still not convinced of the combination of Adams and um, Zion together. I don't know where that's going to go. And with the fact that Jackson Hayes, Adams' backup, is now starting to develop a three-point shot... I think that these 28 minutes a night for Steve might actually come down. Unbelievably, Stephen Adams is not yet 28 years old. He will be in a few months, but he's not there yet. That is unbelievable to me. So it's not like he's completely old and decrepit, but injuries bothered him this year. Toe issues. He's had ankle problems in the past. And he just hasn't, he's just not quite as effective as he needs to be, especially in that pairing with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. So, is this the end of Steven Adams as a top 100 player? I know I wouldn't be looking at him as that next year. Sure, seasons can be resurrected, but the low usage, the horrible um, scoring, the lack of defensive stats as a center, I just don't see it for him. I'm not really sure how this turns around. I would have pretty low confidence in him being back to being a top 100 player. And I think that if at, at, at a very worst case scenario for Adams... It is a uh, minutes split situation between him and Hayes, like a 24-24 next year, and he won't be that 30-minute-a-night center really ever again in the NBA, despite being paid $17 million a year for the next two seasons. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. um, 22 years of age, big Nick. Played 46 games, had that high ankle injury at the end of the year, 22 minutes a night only. He was held back quite a bit by Stan Van Gundy. He heads now into his third season. He averaged 11 points with 1.73s, three rebounds, two assists, a steal, 42 and 73. And you look at all that and you go, hmm, okay, he's listed as a point guard on certain fantasy providers. He is not a point guard at all. The You you, you get the worry with him that he's a, yeah, but what else apart from scoring? But in counter that, he had one steal a game in 21 minutes, which is a very, very good number. He still has some real issues with defensive stuff or, or being an efficient offensive player. Um, his EPM was rough. It was a negative 2.2. He's actually a negative on both ends of the court. Interestingly, in Raptor, he was a positive defensively. But in LeBron, he was an, uh, actually was a positive defensively in LeBron as well because, that, because of that high steal rate, which was 87th percentile. But 52 true shootings, pretty poor on a 23 usage. That's not a great number. He um, was a very bad finisher at the rim. Doesn't get there a huge amount. And his poor efficiency was fueled by hitting 46% mid-range, which is not a real number that we can rely upon. Just 73 from the line as well. Doesn't portend to be a great shooter. He was 68 last year. Not a great rebounder. Not a great passer. But in saying all of this, he had flashes where he goes out and he drops in big games. Big scoring games. I would guess that he plays more than the 22 minutes a night, but ball, heart, Bledsoe, what the hell do their futures hold? Because that's all going to be an impact. Even, look, the last 20 games of his season, he played 28 minutes a night, Alexander Walker. He averaged 15 points, but again, it's what else? The 1.1 steals is nice, but he was only 111th in that time. Bad free throws, subpar field goals, no rebounds, low assists, good threes, good, goodish scoring and solid steel numbers. That's what he provides. So there is a real risk that he gets overvalued in Dynasty if we see Lonzo and Hart both go. and will be like, oh, Alexander Walker's going to play 30 a night. And he will. And he'll be pretty solid. But he's in that spot. He's in that risk of being overvalued because of some of the big, big scoring bursts that he does have against Gary Trent disease, as we talked about on yesterday's show that when someone goes out there and yeah, has these big games, that's all all we tend to remember. And I do think there is a little bit of a worry there with where Alexander Walker lies. 21 points, which is 188th for points leagues, 183rd in category leagues. And yeah, the lack of rebounds, the lack of assists, the the poor field goals, the poor free throws are all our levels of concern in terms of his overall fantasy. But I do think a big bump comes next year. But whether that turns him into... You know, Top-end fantasy guard, let's use his teammate Lonzo Ball as an example, or is he a high-volume scoring guard like a Lou Williams, a Jordan Clarkson, who, you know, Gary Trent, who struggles to crack the top 100 despite ample opportunities? He's got to improve in a lot of areas to get there, so I'm a little skeptical of that. Let's talk about Eric Bledsoe. And if I had a fart sound effect loaded up, that is exactly what I'd be dropping. I've been a defender of Eric Bledsoe in the past, as you're all well aware of, especially from a fantasy point of view. He was just trash this year. Played 71 games, played 30 minutes a game. That was too much. He averaged 24 fantasy points. That was 150th, but somehow outside the top 200 for category leagues, despite an ADP of 78. And the ADP of 78 was pretty wild, considering that Bledsoe was 78th the year before, 45th, 22nd, 24th, 17th, and 19th in the previous seasons prior to that. Well, that's what previous means, prior, of course. So what on earth happened? Well, he was a guy that you could rely upon for getting great steals. He also was a very good field goal percentage guy. 47, 48, 47 the last three seasons. This season, 0.8 steals and 42%. His free throws went from 79 to 69. Giggity. Like, you cannot bank on that. You cannot say, I'm not drafting Eric Bledsoe because he's going to drop 10 percentage points in free throws and his steals are going to cut in half from his career numbers. If you make predictions based on that, then you're a shit fantasy player because there's no realistic avenue for that to happen. You could say, hey, I think they'll try to minimize Bledsoe so they can play Lonzo and Josh Hart and Alexander Walker. And you know that is a reasonable argument to make. That's not what happened. That's not why he was bad because he played 30 minutes a night. He played more minutes than Josh Hart. There was just these weird situations where everything just fell to shit and he did it while shooting the exact same percentage from 3 that he did last year. But how does a bloke whose epm the last 3 seasons was 3.2, 3.9 and 2.3, never worse than 89th percentile, become a negative 2 in the 39th percentile? His true shooting falls well below average. Everything just completely died. He couldn't finish at the rim anymore. And he's not that old. He's 31, but did he just hit, is it that it is he done? It feels like it. He it looks he feels absolutely cooked as a player. Negative 2.2 on Raptor. Negative 0.27 on LeBron. His heart wasn't in in New Orleans. He hated being there. He had no energy whatsoever. Can they get rid of him? I don't know. He's got $18 million for next season. And then the year after that is a partial guarantee of $19.3 million. So he's got two more years left on his contract. Yes, partial guarantee in there. He's not going to be the easiest to, to get rid of here. Van Gundy needs to pull the plug, which unfortunately he did not do all season. He did not limit his minutes, which was entirely frustrating. And if Lonzo goes, there's a real risk that they just say, well, we have to keep Bledsoe in the starting lineup and play him 31 minutes. While Harden, Alexander Walker and Lewis fight for scraps. Can Bledsoe get his field goals back up? His free throws back up? His steal rate back up? His assist rate back up? His rebounds back up? Because everything there dropped I don't think so. It also hurt that he played a different position. He played shooting guard versus point guard. And maybe if Lonzo does go, he'll move back to point guard. And the assist will move from 3.8 back to 5.5. Of course, Ingram and Zion are going to handle the ball a ton too. But he was just terrible. And you know, I'm not convinced that it turns around. But this sort of fall off was absolutely unpredictable. You could not predict it. Let's talk Bill Hernan Gomez, who is always going to be a fantasy option. If he gets minutes, 47 games, 18 minutes, 20 fantasy points, 249th in category leagues. And we saw those opportunities when he would start in place of Steven Adams that the numbers would be good, but we can't trust that eight and seven. He's never going to be a blocks guy, half a block, but what he does do is provide really good field goals. 56% from the field. That was his best category. Um, again, unrestricted free agent. He's only 27. Could he find a role, say like on the Cavs? Although I'd prefer Hartenstein, but that's where he can come in, be a 20 minute a night backup. But any hope of him being a future starter or anything like that, there's there's no way. Uh, I just don't see how that works. Uh, Hayes should get every one of these backup minutes ahead of him. To be fair to him, it was one of his better seasons, Bill Hernan Gomez. He didn't shoot the three ball particularly well. There was a season where he was shooting 38% a couple of years ago. That's fallen away off. His free throws have never really improved. He's an excellent offensive rebounder, but he can't pass, can't really defend particularly well. Um, But can put up some good numbers. Let's go to the next guy, James Johnson. Let's hit it. Johnson is thirty-four years of age. He played fifty-one games, twenty-one minutes, and I barely played when he was with Dallas. Came across in part of the JJ Redick deal and had some real big moments. Seven points. Three and a half rebounds, two assists, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks. But again, 34 years of age. His advance numbers have been down the last three years. He hasn't really been a positive impact player for a while. Offensively, he really struggles with his lack of shooting as well. Um, his LeBron was horrendous. His Raptor was bad. His EPM was bad. His true shooting was 51%, horrible. Finished okay at the rim, but can't hit threes, couldn't hit mid ranges. Rebound numbers down. Block numbers continue to be good, and he's good at that, but he is 34 so I, I th- he should be signed because he's you know, a hard-ass that's a really good um, sort of teammate and culture type of player. But his value as a fantasy guy is really, really limited to scenarios where um, you know, a bunch of guys are injured and he has to have the ball in his hands. And we saw that for you know, a stretch of four or five games maybe here. Jackson Hayes, Hazy, just turned 21, 16 minutes in 60 games. He averaged 16 Yahoo points per game, 284th, 261st in category leagues. That's nothing great there. But there was enough there for me to get a little bit interested in what he can do. I wasn't sure of the fit with him and Zion, but towards the end of the year, he started taking threes. And not just you know, taking spot up corner threes, but some threes where he was stepping into them above the break threes. He hit 43% of his threes this year. Yes, the volume was very, very small. But I thought that he was I thought that he was pretty solid this year. 7 points, 4 rebounds, 0.6 blocks. That's nothing great. But on a per 36, we're talking 15 and 8 with 1.2 blocks. 63 and 78. That's like, you know, we talk about big men who have great percentages. That's LaMarcus Aldridge on steroids, who's like a 55% guy. This is a 60% guy who also can hear his free throws. And we scale that up. Having both big positives on your, on your percentages is huge as a center, With some solid block numbers, with some okay scoring, start to add some threes. Now, whether he can balance the three-point shooting with a high field goal percentage is a challenge that's been around for a lot of big men. Um, I have some faith in him. I thought that defensively, he took big steps forward. The true shooting was great. Finishing at the rim was not bad. Um, rebounding numbers, good offensive rebounder, not great defensively. I think he could be better. In fact, for centers, he's in the 31st percentile for defensive rebounds, and that's a problem for him going back to Texas as well. But I think there's a real opportunity for Hazy to play 24 a night and maybe be a guy that we take... Look, if they... We hear that he's starting, or they're going to split minutes, it's a platoon. You take him over Adams, I think, every day of the week because of that percentage boost in both categories, plus good block numbers with some scoring, maybe some three-pointers as well. Very interesting to see where he goes from here. Najee Marshall, nice little cameo at the end. He's 23, 32 games, 22 minutes, eight points. Only shot 39% from the field, including 35% from three. So, had a little run where we were talking about how good he was, and the shooting was great, and then it did really fall off, and sort of get back to normal. And in the end, his true shooting was bad at 51%. He didn't hit mid ranges at all, twenty five four percent That's a, a shit house number. Um... His advanced metrics weren't particularly exciting. So while it was good to see him latch on as a two-way rookie and play well, 23 years of age, I'm not sure there's gigantic upside. This podcast is going forever, but let's talk Kyrie Lewis Jr. 54 games, 17 minutes. I thought Lewis flashed. He was not consistent. Um, I didn't like the minutes that he was or wasn't given this season, but I thought he steadily improved. Then he had a stretch in April where he got hurt, and he was terrible for April and May. Like, he was really bad in that stretch, but he was continually improving up until then. Lewis um, played 17 minutes, as I said, averaged 13 points, 349th in categories. He shot his free throws well. He averaged six points with two assists um, on 39 and 84%, 33% shooting from three but I expect that this true shooting number of 48% goes to 54, 55 next season. The field goals can go to 43. Um, 1.3 rebounds is a concerning number. The 0.7 steals is nice in 16 minutes. There's the making of a good fantasy player here. A 17, 3, and 7 player with 1.5 steals. 44, 85, 35% from three hitting two threes a game. That's top 60. We still got to see what happens with Bledsoe. Lonzo, Hart, Alexander Walker even. But I think Lewis and uh, Alexander Walker are the future. Backcourt, depending on if they get a top four pick and get a a guard in that spot. I'm still heavily investing in Kyra. He just turned 20. He is very young. A lot of room to grow. His advance numbers weren't particularly good. He struggled a lot. He's a rookie. Negative 1.9 Raptor. His um, LeBron was way down, negative 1.02. But again, youngest player on the team. I've got some pretty high hopes for him. And I think your point guards take big steps usually in that second year or third year. And Lewis, yeah, it probably won't happen next year. It might be the year after, but I'm excited about where it goes. Not much with these other guys here. Winion Gabriel played 21 games, 11 and a half minutes. He shows some bounce at times. And I think he's a guy that you you want to keep around and see where what he can provide for the team. I think he's okay. Like Advanced numbers were pretty good. Defensively, I thought he was good. Shot 41% on three on, obviously, that limited volume. Defensive stats were really, really strong for Gabriel. I think there's something in him. Um, never a top 100 player, but maybe he could have a top 180 season. Where's Wundu? It, no, 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 just no. 41 games, 13 minutes, six fantasy points per game. That's shitful. He averaged two real-life points on 33% shooting. That's a true shooting of 43%. Nothing for me to care about whatsoever. Let's talk DD though. He came across after playing in the NBL. Played three games, 9-10 minutes. The fantasy numbers are bad. Didn't even take a a single free throw. Averaged two points. But 0.7 steals in 9-10 minutes, that's where you get excited. And I thought his defensive ability was on show. And that's what I'd get excited about. He should be a guy that they try and give minutes to next year. Ahead of a Wundu. Ahead of a James Nunnally. Ahead of... Mate, even like a Najee Marshall, i like to see Didi get an opportunity there. He's about to turn 22. Marshall's obviously proven more, though, at this point. But Didi, there's something there. I'm not sure it's good fantasy value. He shot horribly. 31 true shooting across those games. But something there just to have a look at and see where it goes. Very hard to get anything out of his sample size. Well, James Nunnally, I'll just mention that he played. He averaged three fantasy points per game in five minutes, and that is literally all I need to talk about with James Nunnally. Questions? Matt Lawson, NBA Dynasty ADP. Am I buying or selling these? Pelican Dynasty ADP. Zion at 11 and a half. Buy it. Ingram at 30 and a half. Sell it. Lonzo at 43 and a half. Buy. Alexander Walker at 110. Buy. Lewis at 124. Buy. Hayes at 153. Buy. I think they all really beat that number. In fact, I can see a scenario where Zion, Lonzo, Alexander Walker, Lewis, and Hayes, probably not Ingram beat that ADP as early as next season. I can see that happening. So yeah, pretty easy for me. Sir Charles says, who's the starting backcourt next season? Why is it Kyra Lewis and Nikhil Alexander-Walker? I wish that's the case. But Lonzo, Hart, and Bledsoe could all be back. I don't think Bledsoe is going to be easy to move. And I don't think Van Gundy is going to be easy to move off from starting him. I think at worst, we see Alexander-Walker starting. There's no way I think we see both of them starting next season though. Do I think Ingram should be traded this offseason? Huh. No, I don't. Because I don't think you get good value back for him. I am not as high on Ingram as some others. I think defensively, he's got some real concerns. I'm still not 100% convinced with the fit with Zion. Um, But I don't think you should be, after signing him to a max extension, trading him one year into it. I, I don't think that's the right way to go. All right. That'll do it for me today. Don't forget. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. On YouTube, hit the subscription button, flick the bell, thumb me up, and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.